A return to subscriber growth made Netflix executives happy this week, but curbs on password sharing and ad sales will cheer Wall Street in 2023 and beyond. Listen on to find out more. Inside the stream. This is Will Richmond from Video News, and Colin Dixon from In Screen Media is here with me. Hey, Colin. Hi, Will. It's a beautiful day here in California, and I had a fabulous time. I think we mentioned I mentioned last time that I was spending time at the TV of Tomorrow Show, and I had a fantastic time there. And if folks want to get a get a sense of what was happening, uh, I published a piece talking about the future of streaming. I had four experts on my panel who were talking about the future of streaming technology, and I've got their comments right there, so they should check that out. Definitely. I'm going to check it out myself, and it sounds like it'll be good for listeners as well. It will be absolutely great, and I tell you, the, the location we had it in was just gorgeous. It was down on the bay, overlooking Alcatraz, really just beautiful, beautiful location. Cool. Sounds great. Well, um, let's go ahead and get started with today's podcast. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to talk about uh, our news stories first, and I think you're first up, right? I am, and my news story fits in with the theme that you and I have been talking about, about how sports is leaking into the streaming environment here and there and another little not groundbreaking but you know certainly more evidence of it is that Amazon has agreed with the NFL to start streaming a game on Black Friday next season so the day after Thanksgiving Amazon will have a game on the schedule next year that's of course in addition to the Thursday night football package that they took on starting this season and that actually expands next season. I think it's 12 games this season and 15 next. So, um, you know, for Amazon, I think it's feels like a smart deal for them to uh, get that kind of attention on what is the biggest shopping day of the year to uh, for them to be able to be in front of viewers, people who are watching the NFL that day. And for the NFL, it's just another example of how they are figuring out additional ways to monetize their games in the streaming era. I don't know if the players are going to be particularly excited about playing on Friday. They don't like those short week games, but clearly the NFL thinks it's valuable. Yeah, and this, as you say, this is just another example, Will, of Amazon making a very savage, savvy sports right purchase to reinforce the core mission of the organization which is to sell us stuff and it's such an important day friday after thanksgiving and they've done this in the uk as well they bought a a basket of games that are in the first at the first weekend in december for premier league soccer in the uk uh, they they've done that a number of times and again that reinforces the value of Amazon's store. So, boy, that that uh, flywheel keeps on spinning for Amazon, right? Absolutely. Um, let's go on and move to your news item because I know you're very excited about it. I, I am very excited about this, Will. And 
our listeners may not have seen this press release, but basically it says that Warner Brothers Home Entertainment is working with a company called Alluvio in, in the release of The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring Extended Edition Web 3 Movie Experience. And so basically what's going on here is that Warner Brothers has created a sort of um, DVD or Blu-ray extended edition on steroids so this is online uh, and basically what you can do here is they've got two versions one is $30 one is $100 so this is for big fans of the of the Lord of the Rings you can get access to the Lord of the Rings extended edition uh, in ultra HD you also there are two two versions and they've they've basically created these worlds uh, the Shire, Rivendale, Mines of Moria, which you can explore on the this in this Web 3.0 experience. Um, if you buy the Mystery Edition at $30, you will be allocated one of those at random. You don't get to know. You don't get to pick. But if you buy the Epic Edition for $100, then you get all three locations along with all the features of the mystery edition, which is the one where you get one allocated at uh, at random. So this is for real fans. Um, and on one level, you can think of this as just sort of replacing the DVD or Blu-ray. In this case, it will be um, Ultra HD Blu-ray edition of the movie. You get all of you get tons of bonus features. You get these mystery worlds and you get the extended edition. But the thing that really is exciting about this for me, well, is that this is leveraging Web 3.0 technology and heavily leveraging blockchain and NFTs. And the reason I love this so much is that uh, nobody really owns the underlying fabric that this is released on. And it is absolutely secure. So all of your information is secured on the blockchain. It doesn't go to anybody that you don't want it to. This directly connects Warner Brothers with you, the purchaser. So there's nobody in between. There's no Google Play Store or Apple Store or any store involved here. It is a direct transaction between you and Warner Brothers when you get this edition. So totally cuts out the middleman. And because the fabric that this is released on is not owned by anybody, it is permanent and always yours. And the other thing I love about this is it's so much more than just a DVD. You can, for example, Warner Brothers could come in and put new content available in here and extend your rights uh, of the NFT that that you purchase when you purchase the edition that you're going to get. So it is it is just so much more than the normal DVD or Blu-ray edition. Uh, It's a living thing that can change over time and you always have access to it. You're not subject to the vagaries of a particular company or or technology. It's it's permanently yours in this Web 3.0 experience. Yeah, all that I think makes a lot of sense, Colin. And I, you know, I have to say that um, one thing that's been lost a bit in the streaming era is that uh, is all those great bonus features that we always enjoyed in the DVDs and the um, and the Blu-ray. That's really has not been a part of the streaming experience. So I, I like the fact that they're bringing that back and doing it in a secure and finite way, as you said. They can sell 
X number of these NFTs and no more, no less. So they can control the distribution. They can enhance it going forward. Um, I, I haven't thought of NFTs as necessarily being, or Web3 as necessarily being mainstream concepts just yet. But uh, clearly, if Warner Brothers is getting behind this, then um, you know they think the market is 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 ready to accept it. Yeah, yeah, well, and that's exactly right. It's not been mainstream to date, but I think this sort of thing that Alluvio is doing with Web Web 3.0 and Warner Brothers really shows you the power of the uh, of the environment. So that's why I say it's so much more than a DVD uh, or a Blu-ray with all of the bonus features because, you know, Warner Brothers can come back to you later and and sell you the next version, the next extended edition nft and it integrates in it can be integrated in with your existing environment so you're still coming to one place you're still coming to one experience but now you they're extending that right they're allowing you to add to that right with other nfts that get combined in with it so it's just such a flexible environment and really allows warner brothers to super serve those millions of Lord of the Rings fans out yep. there with just uh, just new versions and uh, new stuff for them to enjoy. Agreed. And something that uh, when it's ready, we're going to want to be able to tap it and see how it works, right? You bet. You bet. And I'll tell you what, Will, um, I'm going to reach out to Michelle Munson, who runs Alluvio, and let's see if we can get her on the podcast. I think our listeners would be fascinated to hear what she has to say. I agree. Go for it and stay tuned. So let's let's dig into our main story this week, Colin, which is that Netflix reported its um, Q3 22 earnings earlier this week. And no doubt a major sigh of relief on their part, because after two consecutive quarters of losing subscribers globally and Wall Street being very unhappy about that, it reported 2.4 million subscriber additions globally. We'll get into the breakdown of that in just a moment, but that was actually ahead of the million subscriber additions that they were forecasting in Q3. So nice example of under-promising and over-delivering. And the um, Netflix management team said that they thought this uh, that they they now have subscriber losses behind them and are looking to reaccelerate growth. And we'll get into the details of how they're going to do that. The two main mechanisms, the ad supported tier, of course, and the um, separation of sub accounts. So that was certainly positive news. Just looking at it again, as I say, on a regionalized basis, it's really, uh, it was really APAC that carried the day, adding 1.43 million of the 2.4 million subscribers in the quarter. EMEA was also uh, came in next um, over five about five hundred seventy thousand subscribers. Actually, now has more total subscribers than the U.S. and Canada regions. So just edging it out with seventy three point five million for EMEA versus seventy three point four million for uh, U.S. and Canada. U.S. and Canada was still not a great looking quarter. Fortunately again, reverse the declines from the past two quarters, but really only added 100,000 subscribers. So relatively flat with what Netflix added a year ago in Q3 21. 
and then LATAM is uh, added another 300,000 subscribers in the quarter. So overall, positive quarter for Netflix certainly relieved some of the pressure that was on them from the last couple quarters of losses. But big things coming up starting in just a few weeks, a couple weeks from now, I think, with the launch of the ad supporter plan. There are, Will. Yeah, you bet. And that, that launch is on November the 3rd in the UK and in that's USA and Canada. Uh, so basically what that is, of course, is the basic basic with ads plan will be $6.99 a month um, in the US, which is $3 less than the current basic tier uh, and $1 less than the um, than then Disney's ad-supported Disney Plus tier will be. So it's actually going to be cheaper than Disney when Disney finally uh, releases theirs, which I think uh, is also coming in later November. Uh, and it'll have a fairly light ad load. I thought they'd actually said four minutes, but when they, what they actually said in the call on, uh, on Wednesday was that there would be five minutes of advertising per hour, that they would have uh, strong frequency capping and privacy protections on the ad so you won't feel like you're being stalked in Netflix apparently and you won't see the same ad again and again which is one of the complaints that I think uh, still gets consumers very riled up and um, one of the things that Netflix has received quite a lot of flack for is the fact that the targeting is not going to be very sophisticated. In fact, it's really just going to be buying in the way that traditional television buys for ads has have been done in the past. And Greg Peters, who's Netflix chief product officer, talked a little bit about that in the earnings call. And but what he said was this: He said we are starting with meeting where the market is today. That's important to access the capabilities there. That is the advertisers and agencies got but we don't need to stay there we are looking forward to over a couple of years understanding what is the right native format for premium connected tv and figuring out what that looks like so they're obviously planning on partnering with microsoft who's their sole partner here for their advertising solution they're looking to partner with with microsoft and really innovate over the next couple of years and so we should see much more sophisticated targeting being phased in over time. Uh, and the, they did give a little bit of detail about what they thought would happen. They said they didn't think that many subscribers to the middle or upper tiers of service would switch to the ad-supported plan. I'm not sure about that. They, we'll, I guess we'll have to wait and see because there are other things going on, which we'll talk about in a little bit here that could that could cause a lot of shuffling of plans in Netflix over the next few months. Uh, but CFO Spencer Newman said it will not, he says it will not hurt the company's bottom line. He says on a unit economic basis, it will be net neutral to positive out of the gate. And then when we add in the incrementality on sub- subscribers, we think we can build a big incremental revenue and profit stream we believe this can be margin accretive over time so basically they're very hopeful that this new lower price point with light ad load will be effective at bringing in new subscribers and uh, I, I think there's probably a good chance that that will happen well when you think about it everybody that wants Netflix under the current terms have it 
and so they've changed the terms they've they've provided a cheaper uh, ad supported tier and i think that might be very appealing to some customers that maybe have been sitting on the fence and uh, that will get them off the fence and get get them to try uh, netflix particularly in the fourth quarter where they're planning to drop a ton of new content yeah, agree with all that, Colin. And um, you know, obviously, you and I have been talking about the idea of Netflix introducing an ad-supported plan for I think years now. So uh, it does seem like this is long overdue, and it it kind of took them until the point of really seeing subscriber growth start to reverse itself. As we said, last two quarters going negative. Um, you know, for them to recognize that there are going to be, there is a segment out there of, of users who are more price sensitive or less sensitive to the advertising interruptions and have been kind of left on the sidelines to some extent. So they do have an opportunity now to address that segment, which I think will be very positive for them. And, uh, you know, we know from the experience with Hulu, what they've released in the past, that um, more of their subscribers take the version of Hulu with ads than without. So there's clearly um, a path there that's already been trod by competitors. And Netflix now will figure out what, um, you know, what the balance is for them. But I, I, I agree with their CFO. I think that it is going to be net positive um, from a growth perspective and likely margin accretive going forward as well. Uh, we know that the ad business is a high margin business and the Netflix audience is one that's coveted by advertisers. So they should be able to get a premium price for their ads. I think they announced separately that they've already sold out their full expected inventory for at least the first month or first quarter. I don't remember exactly what the the timeline was. But um, so I think all that is positive. One just uh, kind of fly in the ointment here, um, which I think is remains to be seen is that they have said that the content that will be available on the ad supported tier is not going to be the same as what's available on the ad free tier. And uh, that's, of course, due to rights issues. And we're going to need to see um, how diminished it is if it's just a few shows here and there, then shouldn't be a big deal. But if it's material, then uh, you could certainly see people saying, hey, I don't want to have anything to do with that because my favorite show isn't or shows aren't available on the ad supported tier. So that that is a um, an item, I think, to keep a close eye on. Yeah, and that could be why they're not expecting many people on the other tiers to switch, Will, because yeah. uh, maybe maybe that impact is a little bit stronger than they're telling us. But I guess we'll find out very, very soon in just a, just a month. Actually, it's not even a month. It's two weeks, right? It's very, very yeah, soon. Yeah, a couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, so I guess we'll both be taking a look at that. The other thing that they talked about is the, the about their uh, mechanism for curbing password sharing. So that won't come in until um, early next year. And, but they did, they did sort of give details and it's become clear what they're trying to do here. So, so broadly, they're taking a two-pronged approach to curbing password, password sharing. The first approach is for those people that get cut off in this process. So, you know, when they, when they curb the, par the password sharing, a certain subset of people are going to be cut loose. They they were borrowing. Maybe they were borrowing their girlfriend's password, and 
the girlfriend didn't even know it and suddenly she knows it and cuts him off well they're going to offer them the ability to transfer their profile all of that viewing history that they have in their profile they're going to allow that they allow them to transfer that into an account that they pay for themselves and of course with a much lower price ad supported tier that's i think going to be a lot more appealing to those people that were getting it for free right they can get in rather than having to pay 10 or or 15 dollars they can get in for 7 which is i think very appealing uh, so that's that's approach one. Approach two is that they're allowing account holder holders to pay for a, another home by creating what they're calling a sub account. Now they haven't told us how much they're going to charge for that, but basically what it does is it gives the account holder the ability to add another household that can access this service. So. Uh, for example, I would probably use this to cover my mother-in-law who's in Puerto Rico. I'll, I'll continue to pay for her and add her as a as another household that she can that she can access. So if you have a second home, you can use this mechanism as well to add your second home. Um, so I think this two-tier approach, where uh, an account holder has a way to continue to cover other households that they want to, and the people that get cut off now have a way of migrating their profile and uh, and getting in at a lower price. I think this is will cushion as much as possible the impact of curbing password sharing. What do you think, Will? Are you going to be switching plans or what, what do you think? <laughs> well, first of all, I think it's there, there's a somewhat complicated decision-making matrix coming up for a lot of subscribers because uh, they have now, uh, what, about 223 million subscribers globally. And they've said, uh, what, 100, they believe 100 million of their subscribers share their passwords. Yeah, is that's that, right. That's is right. that the number that they've released? Yep. So, you know, you're talking 45, 50%, uh, 40, 50% of the subscriber base is now going to have is going to be impacted in some way. It's not going to all happen overnight, of course, but um, but ultimately that's the you know that's a pretty big pretty big portion of the subscriber base that's going to get some sort of messaging like you're describing that you've you know essentially your access has been cut off, and then the question becomes well if you were paying for a standard or premium plan which allowed for more than one uh, simultaneous use. So standard offers two um, uh, streams at a time, premium offers four uh, at a time. Then you have to go back and think, well, um, we're going to have to set up these sub-accounts. Does it make sense to have them as sub-accounts? Does it make sense to have these other individuals set up their own accounts? And then, of course, the question is, what rights are Netflix going to uh, allocate to these sub-accounts? So are they going to be able to download? Are they going to be able to get H full HD or ultra HD? You know, possibly might the content selection be limited? Um, currently, that's only supposed to be for the ad-supported plan, but remains to be seen. So I think there are going to be a number of different decisions that subscribers, a lot of subscribers, a lot of Netflix subscribers are now going to be making as this change rolls out. And 
you know, to some extent, I think this has really been a huge selling point of Netflix. It's kept things really simple for subscribers. It's become part of the embedded um, group of benefits that subscribers have come to enjoy. It's now going to be taken away. So what was a non-decision before is now going to be a decision and there are going to be different ways to play it out. So, um, you know, I think overall for Netflix, it makes sense ultimately because it creates a whole lot of new potential subscribers, but I think it is going to cause some, some disruption along the way. I, I do too, Will. And you know, there's no. I, I I would think that there will be quite a lot of the people that who been who have been using somebody else's credentials and who actually get cut off, who don't follow through and become subscribers. But you know, if I'm Netflix, I kind of don't care about them very much, right? Because they're not paying anyway, and the chances are that some, a good proportion, will follow through and and get their own account so they should do well there and honestly don't think many people who are current subscribers and actually paying the bill are going to quit over this i think they'll probably look at selecting maybe a different plan or going a different approach and just i think I'm, i'm probably a really good example of how people are using netflix i i have actually i have three households uh, now I think about it actually four households that are using my Netflix account um, and so I have my son and my daughter who are in different different locations and my mother-in-law now when I initially started sharing in this way I started paying for the upper plan because I felt like I owed Netflix some more money and that was the only mechanism I had to give them uh, so I'm on the $20 plan and I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to cut my kids off. It's time for them to pay for their own own account if they want it. And I will add a sub account for my mother-in-law. So that's what I will do. And and also, I think that there's a good chance that I may drop down from the top tier plan to the middle tier because I'm not sure of the value of Ultra HD to me. Uh, and so I may well do that, and I don't know how much they're going to charge for this sub account, but that way I keep my my nut my at about twenty dollars, or maybe a little bit less than twenty dollars, hopefully depending on what they charge me for the sub account. And I think many many people are going to be doing exactly what I'm doing. They're going to be looking at this, cutting some of their some of the people off that they've been allowing to sponge off their account, and uh, deciding to continue to. to to continue to cover people uh, and maybe even looking at dropping all the way down to the ad tier. I guess we'll have to wait and see how many people, uh, how much content is actually available in that, in that tier. So a lot of decisions for Netflix subscribers to be making in the very near future, it looks like. Right. And now let's look at the decision making that you just described from Netflix's standpoint. So currently you pay $20 a month and everybody's covered. That's your one fee for everybody, right? There's no extra. Yep. Now what you're talking about is possibly dropping to the standard plan. So you drop from 20 to $15 and 50 cents. That's what a, the standard plan costs. Then there's going to be, uh, if you have two kids, they're going to need their own plans even if they took the ad-supported plan, the least expensive, that's $7 per child times two is $14. Mm-hmm. 
And then there's going to be some cost for the sub account. Figure that's going to be what, at least three to four dollars kind of thing. Yep. So we're talking from Netflix's standpoint, they were getting $20 from the Dixon family entity, if you will. <laughs> now they're going to be getting somewhere between $30 and $35 per month from the Dixon family entity yep. if things play out the way you described it. So, um, you know, that illustrates pretty well <laughs> what the opportunity looks like for Netflix if you multiply that out by tens of millions of, of households in similar circumstances. Yeah, yeah. So as I say, I think they're going to do pretty well out of this. And I'll tell you where else they're going to do pretty well. I think they're going to do way better than Disney with the ads, Will. Uh, I think I'm looking at the engagement time that I'm seeing in data from independent companies. And basically, Netflix's engagement time is three times or four times what Disney's is, twice what Hulu's is. So people who watch Netflix are watching for a long time. And if that translates with the ads, then they really stand to do extremely well out of the advertising as well. So I got a feeling that this is going to be very, very healthy for their revenue going into 2023 and 2024. So I think we should see strong revenue growth at Netflix, which I think can only be undone if there's a, some sort of collapse in the subscribers. But, uh, you know, it's looking pretty good right right now for them. Right. I mean, I should note that that 30 to 35 per month was at the lower end of the range. Think about what the higher end of the range is. Let's say you don't want to drop from premium to standard because you still want to get ultra HD. So you continue to pay $20 yeah. a month. Let's say they charge $5 for a sub account. And let's say that both of your kids don't want to watch ads. So they both subscribe to the basic ad-free plan, which is $10 a month. Now you're talking about $45 a month that the Dixon family entity is paying Netflix compared to the 20 that you've been paying. So it's, um, you know, this, depending on how people, what they decide to do, this this could really increase what uh, you know what Netflix is extracting from family entities. It really could, and when you think about it, will even if ten percent of the people are pissed off enough to cancel, yeah, they could still well, end up doing much better. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Oh, I agree. I I think it's. I mean, I think it's going to be a kind of a rude awakening for lots of people. But from Netflix's standpoint, it's. It's absolutely the right decision to make, and they just need to be very careful about how they message and execute all this. But business-wise, I think it's it's absolutely the right move for them. Yep, yep, you bet. But you know what, Will? I think we've probably taken enough of our listeners' time for this week. I think we have, so we'll leave it at that. Kind of good chatting, and uh, we'll watch the Netflix ad-free rollout and, of course, the sub-account rollout going forward as well. Thanks everyone for listening in and we'll see you all again next week. Inside the Stream is a production of InScreen Media and Video News. All rights reserved.